It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You're going to be shiting me! The kids continue to get it done with Justin. Sets. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. Mr. Commissioner, can you confirm? That's right, your favorite resident weird dude back with you again with your Locked On Canucks for Friday, August the 14th, coming to you after... Bo Horvat has just delivered a second consecutive two-goal performance to lift the Canucks up 2-0 in their series against the St. Louis Blues. Tremendous game. I'll be back with you tomorrow to talk about that one. Today, however, I'm joined by Danielle Huntley of the Broadscast. Danny making a return appearance here on Locked On Canucks. A conversation that went so long, in fact... I've split it in half. If you want to hear the front half of this chat where we talk exclusively about the broadcast, uh, women in media, and creating a space for uh, women in hockey here in the Vancouver podcasting scene, head on over to the Locked On NHL channel. Danny, also my guest on The Interview, my weekly one-on-one show on Locked On NHL. But the back half of our conversation, which ran for close to an hour, is entirely about the Canucks. So head on over there, listen to the first half, hear her talk all about the broadcast and how exciting it is, and, uh, and then come back for part two right here with Danny Huntley. Before we get to Danny, though, I do want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. With that out of the way, here's Danielle Huntley. Speaking of <laughs> Quinn Hughes, though, speaking of Quinn Hughes, let's get into the meat of this discussion because you and I have not talked about this Blues series at all. Um, and I was thinking, actually, before the game began last night, uh, that I, I honestly, when I look back on it, I think the opening round uh, matchup between these two teams 11 years ago in 2009 is one of the great, like, forgotten moments in Canucks history. It's a four-game clean sweep where they absolutely dominate the Blues, and it basically announces the arrival of that era of Canucks hockey. Like, obviously, 2007 announces the arrival of Roberto Luongo as, like, the Neo of Canucks hockey. But in 2009, when they sweep the Blues, it's not just Luongo. There's a team in front of him here, and it shows you that, like, the next four or five years are going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I really feel like this series presents a very similar opportunity to kind of be the launching point of this era of Canucks hockey. And, I mean, I know it's just one game, but it certainly felt like we saw that last night. Yeah, personally, I'm so excited. I forgot how excited I could be about Canucks hockey. I kind of became super jaded, I think, like a lot of people. Well, how could you not be? They were the worst team in hockey, save for the Buffalo Sabres, over a four-year period. Like, the idea that we were supposed to just sit here on our hands and be supportive of every single thing that happened when the team was just obviously terrible. Like, how could you not be a jaded fan over the last four seasons? And the idea that anyone is a bandwagoner for being excited now if they've been negative over the last four years is absurd to me. I'm sorry. Like... Come on, get over yourself. And yeah, bandwagoners are the smart fans. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Y- y- yeah, no. Um, yeah, but 
the, I I was so impressed by the fact that like it really felt like the stars came to to shine last night in game one. You get obviously two goals from Bo Horvat who completely took over the game, and you love to see a performance like that from a guy who's waited five years to get back to the playoffs after being there in his rookie season. And um, I, something that gets brought up by ex players a lot is the idea that like. When you're a, a rookie and you say are like Chris Tanev and you go all the way to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in not even your first season, the like, you're we just signed this guy, hey kid, come join the team for a little while before your technical first season. When you go that distance, it, it, players when they're young often assume that like, well, this is what it's going to be every year. I'm always going to be here. It'll, it'll always be playoffs year after year after year. And, I mean, you look at a guy like Chris Tanev to score the goal to get them here in the first place. He had to wait nine years to be back in a position with a team that could potentially do something. Because I think, like, we know, you know, unfortunately, the, the teams after 2011, even if they made the playoffs, even in 2015 when they made the playoffs against the Flames, those teams were never going to do anything. Um, and they have a chance here, which seems impossible to say when you look at the grand scheme, but, like, that is what they have, and I think a guy like Bo really appreciates that more than anything, to have to go through those five years exactly like you and I were just talking about, because if we were despondent and losing faith as fans, imagine being in that room and watching that team go down the drain in the last 20 games of the season, year after year after year, like... It was an incredible performance from him, but I also don't feel like we should be surprised by it at all. No, not at all. He, Yeah, he's really taking the captain role, and he's playing, like Travis Green said, he played like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> right? So <laughs> that's I prefer, what he did. I prefer about the bull. bull. The I bull, yeah. Bull. I prefer bull Horvat, personally. Yeah, but like it was nice to see the Canucks, too. They didn't play their best five-on-five, five, I felt like, but they still dominated the game, and they were playing the Blues, so. Yeah, and... You know, I don't know. I I was last year. I still wasn't even sold on St. Louis when they won the cup. I was like, eh. I still like. To me, this is not a good team. I think Vancouver could beat this team, which is a sign that things are not great. And I said that all the way as they lifted the Stanley Cup, and people were like, "You're insane. They just won the Stanley Cup. They're a good team. The Canucks cannot beat this team." And yet. I, st- I know we still have three more wins to go here, but I feel good about it anyways. I do too. I I believe in this team, and I'm shocked I'm saying this because, you know, I wrote those articles too about Jim Benning for Canucks <laughs> Army that everyone really loves. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> but, but but let's be real, though. You know, you and I talked about this because your Botchford Project Night was like the last game before, I believe, the shutdown, or the last home game at least. Yeah, it was like when I was there, they did – the, in the morning, we had locker room access, and then by the night, in the middle of the day, they enacted the new COVID policy, so we weren't actually allowed back in the locker room, and they were using the podiums after the game. Yeah, and when you and I talked about the team, that people can go back and listen to our conversation from however many months ago now, Yeah. when we had that chat, we were both kind of feeling like things are going to go bad here, and I don't necessarily mind that, because it means they're going to have to make sweeping changes. That's right. I even said that, and I wanted Jim Benning gone. You guys uh, are going to come for me? <laughs> but, like... I really believe, as much as I love watching what the team is doing right now, and I am so glad to have a team in the playoffs that I can feel good about and yell curse words when they score and all that good stuff, 
I do believe, having watched this team slide down the standings in the last month and a half of the schedule, every year for basically the last four years, I've seen this movie before. They were going to miss. They Everything was colliding. A Markstrom injury, a Besser injury, a potentially season-ending Tanev injury. There was just this swirling storm around this team right before the shutdown that said, all signs point to this team missing the playoffs again. And for people to be like, look, they're in. Like, this is this is real. This is what I always believed in. Let's not act like this is, like, exactly how things were always going to go. They beat the Wild in a fake playoff series, which was fun and great, and I loved it. And I'm not saying don't enjoy that, but don't take a victory lap on the fact that you always believed that the team would do this or fucking whatever. Right, and if you did have those opinions about Jim Benning and this team before too. You weren't wrong. Yeah. You were not wrong. This is a lucky fluky season. Like, I don't know, having what, 24 teams compete to get in the playoffs. That's ridiculous. But even, even the, like the act of rebuilding this team into something fun and exciting was a lucky fluky process oh, as yeah. well. Oh, you can't just judge the end results here. You need to look at the work that went into it and the process and thinking that went into those decisions. I don't think any Jim Benning hater has to like eat crow right now because they think Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are fun and entertaining players, you know? And they're still going to be in cap hell after this, so we can get back to that after <laughs> we have fun here in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, everybody who's pointing and laughing at the Toronto Maple Leaf situation right now. It's like, eh. Well, yeah, we're we're on a ride right now. We'll we'll, we'll address that when we we get there. <laughs> Let's wait a, like a year and a half, and we'll be in yeah. that exact position <laughs> as well. We'll get back to that in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever created. And if you're like me, you've been trying to focus perhaps a little bit more on your health, a little bit on shedding some pounds during this pandemic, coming out of quarantine looking as svelte and better than ever. The best way to do that, of course, exercise is important, but diet and what you eat is just as, if not more so. And the improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than it was before. And it was already very delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, in case you are allergic. Six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, in addition to the 12 original flavors, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, Coffee, almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. All of the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew, and Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy just like you or me. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat because Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They are great for the keto diet. And right now you can get on out there and enjoy the summer sun because you get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And this will only last a week or so, so you should get on it right now. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. 
What I do love, though, is as much as I said that the Stars came to play, and I do feel like the Canucks' best players were their best players in Game 1. Jacob Markstrom certainly had his best game of this postseason so far. Uh, kind of a quiet night from Brock Besser. And when the team is missing Tyler Toffoli, when it seemed like they could have been missing JT Miller last night, uh, and, you know, you, there's other pieces missing from this lineup as well, you would think that a quiet night from Brock Besser would be a very bad sign for this team. And yet I didn't even notice that I didn't notice him. Right. It was really nice. Yeah. I feel like cause of Horvat's line yes. and him really stepping up, it really did mask not seeing much from Besser. And I felt like Petey, even though the numbers were not great in his favor, especially five on five, he did score when it mattered and he was reliable for them. And he's also facing off against like the toughest defensive matchup. That he, yeah. that he could possibly face. Like, I don't care what team... If they beat the Blues and they advance to face whoever it is, uh, Vegas, or I have no idea what the bracket looks like or if they're reseeding after every round. They I are have no idea. Yeah. yeah, so whoever it's going to be, no team has a defensive matchup center that they can throw against Petey that will be better or more difficult to overcome than Ryan O'Reilly. Um and if that is the case, if you are facing your hardest test right out of the gate, I, I don't want to say that this team has what it takes to go all the way and blah, blah, blah. I really do think this is a team that has a, a chance to win this round, and probably that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are reasons to be excited at the same time. Oh, definitely. Honestly, I'm always excited to watch Quinn Hughes. <laughs> I don't care how like cliche everyone says that. I could watch Quinn Hughes play all night. And he was getting his ass kicked a bit, but he did hold his own, I felt like. He hung in there and Yeah, but that's I mean, we're used to that, right? Yeah, I think part of par for the course for Canucks fans and our short kings, right? Yeah, but also like I think back to the Sedines just like, you know, being pummeled by Brad Marchand in the twenty eleven final or whatever. And just like if you're Quinn Hughes, draw a penalty and kill him on the power play because that's what you've been doing all year long. You have the number four power play in the league. You have just gone to another level in this play in and and return to play tournament. Like Quinn Hughes If he doesn't win the Calder, then half the voting contingent really fucked up, I think. It's a travesty if he doesn't win the Calder. And and coming into these playoffs, I would have said, okay, I can see the case for Makar. If he wins, it's a toss-up. It doesn't matter. But the, the 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 knocks against Makar that he's playing on a better team and has you know more help to pad those stats, so on and so forth. And those sheltered minutes too. That's all true. But even disregarding that. Like, like Kale McCarr is a, is a good player, a great player even. But when Quinn Hughes is on the ice, like, hockey is in a different form, you know? Like, it, the game doesn't look the same when he's pl- playing the puck. Like, it's, it's, it is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. And I'm too young to really have a ton of Pavel Bury memories, but I would imagine that that's exactly how people felt watching Pavel as well. Yeah, I'm also, I'm near your age, so I'm also too young. I was, yeah. <laughs> we, we have some, like, five, six, seven-year-old memories of, of Pavel on the 94 run, but That's kind of exactly too right. soon to really retain anything. Uh, Danny, we, we would be remiss if we wrapped up without talking about, I think, the man of the hour, or certainly the, the best story to come out of last night's game. Speaking of short kings, we got to talk about Troy Stetcher. And, uh, you know, I think this is a guy that everybody in this city are already loved, uh, have a have a ton of reasons to love, um, but he is authoring a a story right now to be, uh, I think, 
they'd have to go a long way for him to be a cult hero on the level of Trevor Linden, let's say. But but there are big time cult hero pieces at play in what Troy Stetcher is doing right now, anyways. Oh, he is our true hometown hero, as the broad say. Like he is our hometown hero. Not Jake. Yeah. No, yeah. And he I, is though. Like the way he has reverence for the history of the Canucks, the way he speaks about the jerseys, the throwbacks, the skates when he gets to wear it, he is honored. The Sedine night, you could tell how much that meant to him. He is one of us. He is our hometown hero. Yeah. And JD and I were joking last week that it's like every time the team uh, runs into cap trouble or is going to be in financial peril of some kind, it's like, well, let's just push Troy Stetcher into a volcano for some reason because that's the issue with this team. God. Uh, I w- I, I've said this before, but, uh, you know, the when Brock Besser was rumored to be on the trading block, when Matt Sakaris floated that out there before this play-in tournament, and Elliot Friedman came back and responded that, yes, that has been in discussions over the course of the season, but he's going to dictate his own future. What he does in these playoffs will dictate what happens with him in Vancouver. I think that that is probably true of Besser on some level, but I would hope that he was safe anyways. It absolutely is true of Troy Stetcher, who, when this series began, was basically all... Not when this series, when this season began, sorry, was already basically like being written off as someone who was going to be gone at the end of the year or might even be traded mid-season for forward help or something like that or would be packaged with, like, Jake, let's say, to bring in a a high-end defenseman if they could make a package like that work or whatever. It's been a foregone conclusion for the better part of the last year that Troy Stetcher is not going to be on the team next year. And the story of Troy Stetcher's career in Vancouver is basically a story of a guy having to prove himself over and over and over again every single year to a coach that doesn't want to believe in him for reasons that make no sense to outside observers. I wouldn't know anything about that personally, (laughs) but um, like this is the ultimate version of that, right? Like he is playing not just, uh, you know, to save his team's future and help them advance in the playoffs and all that stuff. He's playing for his own future as well. And the way he is playing is undeniable. You know, like, I don't think this guy could do any better than he has. I thought he was outstanding in the Minnesota series and has just been on, you know, a hell of a run. And that goal, like, that is, to me, a moment. That goal and the celebration that came after it, the tribute to his late father who passed away during the stoppage year, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think passed away on Father's Day. I believe you're correct, yes. Um, Just so sad, obviously. Um, But, like, that is a moment that, like, lives on the same level of, like, Alex Burrow's tribute to Luke Bourdon. You know, like, the feelings that are associated with that and the emotions that came out in the post-game conversations and the way this team, like loves each other and has been there for the the boys through like the toughest situations that people can go through this year when you look at how many people on this team have lost their fathers this season uh and and like you know Brock Besser who has an ongoing health scare with his dad that is still unresolved you know I'm tearing up just talking about it I can see that you are too um it's it's hard not to be emotionally invested in this group and the way that they are emotionally invested in each other. Oh yeah. Especially when PD went to give him a hug that, (laughs) that, yeah, that really broke me. Yeah. Yesterday. And yeah, 
this whole the whole city really feels for Troy. This team is behind Troy. They need Troy. We need Troy. Sign Troy. And the it's fact that easy. the fact that that goal winds up being it's the go ahead goal in the game, and it is the game winning goal ultimately in the end as well. Like it's not like that was a moment that came in garbage time and that that was like an insurance marker. That was the most important goal probably that has been scored. Well, since 10, I've scored in overtime last week. But before that, like you'd have to go back a long, long time, I think, to find a moment that has that kind of like emotional resonance. And ultimately that's what sports are about, right? Like, that's why you watch hockey every year. You don't come here to see your team win a championship because it's been 50 years and we haven't seen that. And if that was the only thing we were looking for, we would have given up a long time ago, right? You want feel-good moments, even if you'd never get the ultimate feel-good moment. And, uh, like, the fact that, you know, that that's the game-winning goal in the team's first playoff game in five years and the first playoff game in Troy Stetcher's uh Canuck career as well you know you just slag Jake a little bit and I, I think it's funny because I I lose followers on the lockdown account every time I tweet about Jake because I'm not very kind to him uh but I kind of said what you just said too which is like if you're a Vertanen believer if you've backed this guy for the last six years and wanted to see you know him get this chance to just make the playoffs. He's 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 the kind of guy who's bred for the playoffs, especially when he's a hometown kid. Everybody just wants him to be Cam Neely. He's never going to fucking be Cam Neely. But um, <laughs> but what people have believed is that, well, he's from the Lower Mainland. He understands the importance of this. He understands the history. He understands the heartbreak. He's going to play out of his mind. He is going to be the most passionate driven pure heart playoff performer that this city has ever seen people have been saying that about jake Vertanen for at least three years now it's not true of jake it absolutely is true of troy stetcher like a thousand percent <laughs> it really yeah it really is and george one of the, my favorite things about the troy stetcher goal is we were filming the broadcast during the game yesterday mm-hmm. and georgia is as everyone i'm sure knows is the short King Troy Stetcher's biggest fan and watching her reaction to the goal in real time was amazing. And it's actually on our uh, Twitter page, the broadcast pod. If you want to see Georgia freak out to Troy Stetcher's game winning goal. Well, that's the other thing too, right? We were talking about the importance of, of WAG's coverage in unearthing these guys, real personalities. Uh, I love it when Troy, for example, this week talks about the fact that like, I wasn't on the team, but I felt the pain of 2011, and that still lingers with me as a fan. Um, Like, I love hearing that from him as a player, but, you know, I don't think he's one of those guys who, like, was obsessively following the team when he was a kid and now doesn't keep up with what happens in this city. Uh, I have stories that I can't necessarily share because they're not mine to tell about Troy reaching out to people uh, but but one of the things that I can point out because it is public is the fact that you just mentioned Georgia being a huge Stetch fan and the fact that when I think it was an Israel Fair article that ran on The Athletic about Troy's journey from the Penticton V's through the NCAA to the Canucks uh, I'm not sure how he did it but Izzy somehow got Georgia to do the art on that piece <laughs> um <laughs> And, and it's like uh, it's, uh, it's like three different drawings of 
Troy Stetcher in the three different teams and programs that he played for in his, you know, semi and pro hockey career. Uh, that is his header image on Twitter right now. Yes. And you don't have that as your header image, I feel like, if you're not keeping up with what happens around this team and the culture around it, not just in media, but on Twitter as well. And I don't think he will ever publicly let on to how much he follows that stuff, but I definitely feel like he does. And it just makes me love him so much more. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know a Canucks fan who doesn't like Troy Stretcher. I've never, I, I honestly can't think of anybody who doesn't like Troy Stretcher. Can you? No. And it's funny because like, he came out of nowhere, right? Like, yeah. College free agent signing with no expectations. A short guy. I was like, oh, he's a hometown kid and he works hard and we got to love that. He made the team out of camp in his first camp. Technically, he didn't. Technically, they had to send him down to Utica and he was back like five days later because Eric Goodbranson's wrist exploded. But he made the team. He was easily one of the six best defensemen in camp and they couldn't put him on the team because of contract scenarios or whatever it's just like every single element of this guy's story kind of lines up perfectly to be like the ultimate feel-good cinderella hockey story and like to me uh i was getting raked for calling the 2011 team likable last night because it's trying to just you know flip off national media who are now praising the Canucks but absolutely despise them in 2011 <laughs> and people will always point to Alex Burroughs as being like the most hateable part of that team I think Alex Burroughs is actually the most lovable part of that team. I think Alex Burroughs is like one of the greatest success stories in the history of the NHL. A guy who went from not just the ECHL, but a ball hockey league. He was playing roller hockey. When a he champion of roller hockey. <laughs> a roller hockey player who was recruited from there to join like the I want to say the Macon Whoopee, but I think it was like the Louisiana Growl or something, some <laughs> stupid ECHL team name. That's the beginning of his hockey journey in pro hockey to go all the way to being the number one winger on the top offense in the entire NHL. Like that is an insane underdog success story. Whatever you are undertaking in your own life, whatever goals that you have, you should be able to draw inspiration from Alex Burroughs and what he accomplished in this city. Oh, and he provided us with the happiest moment of all of our lives. <laughs> that, that Slay the Dragon Slay goal. the Dragon, yeah. God. But, like, to me, I feel like Troy Stetcher is the new Alex Burroughs on some level. I totally agree with he, that. He's not supposed to be here. Like... Travis Green kind of tells us at the beginning of the season, every season, he's not supposed to be here. I don't like this guy. And yet they can't get rid of him because he keeps rising to the occasion every time in bigger and more dramatic ways. And I don't know that he will have a moment that dramatically tops the game-winning goal from last night, but what a beautiful thing. And what a just incredible, incredible moment for this city. And, and to feel good about this team again. Like, I talked about this on the show last week with a number of different guests, both Jackson and JD, the fact that this is kind of like Schrodinger's playoffs in that when you're in the qualifying round, it both is and isn't the playoffs. So people want to be excited, but they're also, like, hesitant. Like, well, this team could lose to Minnesota, and then I would have been emotionally invested, and what would the point of that be? Now we're in. This is legit. This is for real. 
and the emotion is for real. And I felt that in like every moment last night and none bigger than that Troy moment. I'm so happy. I'm so happy in general that the team thumped the defending cup champs, obviously, but not just that, who it was, how it happened. Like, obviously you feel good for Bo and we talked about that, but like, I am such a, a Stetcher supporter. I have loudly been for his entire tenure. And especially when the team drafted Quinn Hughes, I have been banging the drum wanting to see a Stetcher Hughes pairing. Yes. For years now, like from the moment Quinn was drafted. And their numbers are so good together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. If you add them together, they are 94, I guess, on some level. I was meaning they're like advanced steps. Well, yes. I was, I was <laughs> okay. thinking 43 plus 51 has emotional relevance in this city it on does, some level. It does. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I thought it was great. I really, I know that that's like the worst hockey analysis that, that you can have. It's like, break down this play. I thought it was wonderful and beautiful and emotionally resonant and it made me cry. That's it was the best thing ever. That's how I feel I kind of during this playoffs. <laughs> I've lost like all my like critical like knowledge. Like normally during the season, I was extra critical and I'm watching like taking notes and mm-hmm. all this stuff. Now I'm just drinking, yelling at my TV, like getting but, extra yeah. emotional and just I'm enjoying it, the hell out of it. Let it flow over you. Like go, go, go along for the ride on yeah. this, right? Yeah. Because there are no expectations right now. It's and like a freaking pandem- pandemic. Yeah. Let's yeah, ride well, this y- out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Give me some joy in my life. Let me be happy. <laughs> well, there's that, right? There is that element of like, uh, you know, <laughs> we need a distraction more than ever. So please provide that. But also like, you know, not to invoke Toronto again, but, but when you do look at the Leafs, and what has happened there over the last couple of years, it very quickly went from, we're so happy to be here. We made the playoffs. We lost to Washington, but God damn it, we pushed them to the limit. And it's so awesome to see this team be in the playoffs. They're talking about blowing the team up right now because they couldn't win in an empty arena play-in qualifying round with no audience, nothing. Like, the conditions of this are so crazy. And if you went into that series with the possibility in your mind that Toronto might not win it, you would say, well, okay, that makes sense. Like, anything could happen here. This is fake. It doesn't make sense. And as soon as the Leafs get knocked out, people just, like, throw that rationalism out the window and are like, it's not enough. To, well, I guess they're not in the mix this year, technically. But they they were technically in the mix. They are a team that has been in the mix for the last four years. They can't get through the opening round, couldn't even make it through the qualifiers this year. But there is a weight of expectations on that team now that didn't exist in that Washington series. And that doesn't exist for this Canucks team right now either. Nope. And that is a wonderful thing. And yeah. you should appreciate it while it's happening because... There will come a time where this is a team that will make the playoffs and will get bounced in the first or second round, and people are going to be furious about that. Yes. And, like, when you've lived through the last five years that we've lived through, I really think you should have more perspective than that. Yeah, just take that serotonin where you can get it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that is in the emotional moments that we were talking about and not exactly. in the actual outcomes at the end of a season. But uh, As the broads say, no stats, just vibes. <laughs> and these vibes <laughs> are renewable, I tell you that. Uh, <laughs> that, is a, that is an inside joke for an audience of three people, half of which I don't think even listen to this show. Uh, but Danny, it's been so nice chatting with you. And um, 
thanks for coming over. It's been nice to see someone in person. I yeah. haven't gotten to do that a whole lot in this pandemic either. It's always lovely to see you as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not you're not too far away. It's uh, pretty easy to. I often recruit my roommate to be a guest on the show. <laughs> Today I went with uh, someone in the neighborhood, and, <laughs> and I'm happy to have you here. I am so thrilled for uh, your success with the broadcast and really the success of all five of you. You're such wonderful people, and uh, this could not happen to a better group as far as uh, people in the Canucks Twitter sphere. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to all of us. Oh, that's very sweet of you. If people for whatever reason, are listening to this show but are not listening to the broadcast, <laughs> I will turn the floor over to you now uh, so that you can promote whatever you'd like to promote. All right. So you can find us on Twitter at the broadcast pod as well as Instagram as well. We drop our episodes every Friday morning at 5 a.m. on Apple, Spotify. You can check out Anchor for all the list of everything we are on. And that is the broadcast pod. And... I know when people are like, follow a podcast on Instagram. Oh. Why? <laughs> You're going to want to follow this podcast on Instagram. As we mentioned, you know, Vanessa is very skilled at the whole video thing. There's a lot of, uh, of really fun video content going up on that feed. So I would endorse that as a, as a must follow as well. And there's a lot more coming too. So yeah, keep your eye on that. It's just the beginning. And uh, I'm sure that you'll be back here on this show just because, uh, you know, I like talking to guests instead of doing this by <laughs> myself all the time. So I'm just down the street. So exactly. just give me a shout. Welcome back anytime. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> With that, that is your Locked on Canucks for today. Uh, enjoy game two tomorrow. Kind of weird that it's not the late game in the West. Uh, in fact, I don't think the West is even the late game no, at all. No, it's the Islanders. Bizarre. Yeah. Well, it's afternoon game on the West Coast out here. I guess it's the evening if you're out East. Game two between the Canucks and Blues. A game that, you know, the Canucks could very easily win. And that's kind of the series right there. Because I don't think the Blues have it in them to muster the emotion to launch a comeback uh, from a 2-0 deficit no, and in, in a pandemic where they have no crowd cheering them on. And Petey's going to light up Bennington, the Calder winner. That's right. God, what a little bitch that guy is. I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> <laughs> Until tomorrow when I'm back to do this all over again, you have been listening to Locked On Canucks. I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. And this show is part of the Locked On Podcast Network.